Good morning, all. It's lovely to see you. Can I just encourage you? Well, I'm going to encourage you, hopefully, with God's word. But let me just encourage you with something um, I received in the post. Um, I get the Bible Societies. I think it's monthly or uh, bi-monthly or tri-monthly or something magazine. And, um, you know, in the COVID pandemic, when we think everything has closed down, shut down, God is still on the move. Just get this. You know, 66 scripture translations have taken place in 2020. 66 Bible translations. And one of the translations, um, there's a lovely article about celebrating Albania's first Bible. I mean, how cool is that? I remember, yeah, come on, let's give the Lord a cheer. And those who've done the translation, wow, you're amazing. I mean, just reading a little bit, it's a remarkable achievement. It says here, heralds a significant milestone in the global Bible translation. Today, more than 700 languages in the world have a full Bible. It means 5.7 billion people have access to scripture in their language, but there's still a long way to go. More than half the world's languages have no scripture at all. We just don't think 1.5 billion people still do not have the full Bible in their language, but they're on the move. I remember actually when we were in China in 2014 and going to the Bible Society there and talking to some of the translators about the different dialects. There was something like they'd done 70 different languages within China itself. But there's something like 150 more to do. It was just extraordinary. And, but God is on the move. How amazing is that? Uh, really encouraging that all these translations, and we support the Bible Society. So, Father, we thank you for the Bible Society, for those amazing people who are doing this work. Protect them, strengthen them, inspire them, and may the work continue. Amen? Well, another word of encouragement, Joshua chapter 1. Got your Bibles, your iPads, your phones, whatever else you want to read God's Word, and the screens. Let me read from chapter 1. Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, As far as the great river and the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We could break out in song. 
And I've not, that's where I was originally going to stop, stop. Do you mind if I just read a little bit more? The answer is no, thank you. Um, verse 10, <laughs> Joshua commanded the officers. So I'm only going to read a couple of verses, but as opposed to a couple of chapters or books. But verse 10, Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare, prepare provisions for yourself. For within three days, you will cross over this Jordan to go to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Amen? Amen. Well, we started a new series uh, last week called Great Journeys. And uh, last week I began by just looking at three truths. And I know you've memorized them yourself, but let me just remind you for my benefit, truth number one, The quickest and the easiest route is not always the best route. And sometimes the wilderness way is the only way to stay close to the Lord. Truth number two, knowing where we've come from helps us to know where we are. Brilliant. I knew you remember that last word. Truth number three, if we want to complete the journey and finish well, we have to let the Lord be our guide and lead us. And I want to start today um, by, if you like, starting at the very beginning. I think there's a song, isn't there? Sound of music. Let's start at the very beginning. What is wrong with me? <laughs> I think it's the bash on my head, actually. You, know, you should see the other guy, but um, no. What happened, the truth is, I was mowing the lawn and going under the apple tree, and as I was trying to get to the bit, by around the tree, pulling the branch back, It slipped out, smacked me in the head, and it's not that funny, but obviously (laughs) blood gushing out, but I kept on mowing the lawn, so the lawn's looking great. But I want us to start at the very beginning and look at taking the first steps, and what better person to do it with than Joshua? I think he was the master of the first steps. You know, one of the first encounters we have of Joshua is in uh, Exodus 33. He's a young man, and we read this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. He did not leave the tent. You know, in many ways, this was probably one of the biggest steps he made in his life. He was so hungry for God's presence that he stayed there. He stepped into that place and he stayed there to be with the Lord. And I reckon it was out of these deep and extraordinary times of encounter with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, that God set him apart to lead the nation and to lead them into their inheritance. And there's a a caveat here for us. In terms of how we serve the Lord and do ministry, Unless we walk step by step with the Lord in the secret place, it's going to be really difficult for us to walk with him in the public place. We can try, but unless we walk with him step by step in the secret place, it becomes very difficult to journey in the public place. And I think this has to be the setting for when we uh, talk about great journeys and when it comes to taking the first steps, because it's not a given Going back to Exodus 20, the Lord was longing for his people to draw near to him at Mount Sinai. And what do we do? We read about how they chose to remain at a distance 
By contrast, Joshua, who loved the presence of God, chose to stay near to the Lord in the tent. And more than anybody, he was able to minister to Moses. And most importantly, more than anybody, he was able to lead the people into the promised land. And even Moses did not do that. I think if we're committed to fulfilling this journey of faith with God, the life and the destiny he has for us, and want to finish well, we have to be committed to stepping in and staying in his presence. Say that with me. Stepping in and staying in his presence. Stepping in and staying in his presence. I think it's that why Jesus says to us, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. I think what God is looking for more than any gifting or serving or ministry that we can bring is really those who will seek him with all their heart, seek his face, have that Joshua hunger for his presence, and out of that, take the first steps, and the next, and the next, and the next, and every place that the sole of our feet will tread. Now, have any of you ever witnessed a toddler taking its first step? Yeah? I actually thought I'd try and mimic it to you, just to give you an idea. And this is true. I was in, my, in the study, kind of like thinking, what do they do? They're almost on their toes. And then you know how toddlers take the first steps and then just kind of fall back down on their bum. Um, you know. And I thought, well, I'd give that a go. Not realizing the height difference, actually. So there I am toddling my step. I take a step back, fall right back. My iPad and my Bible go flying over me. And um, yeah, that wouldn't have been good. I think I would have ended out over there. So you've got to picture this for yourself, a toddler taking the first step. It's amazing, isn't it? And if you've been there, there's the excitement. Go on, go on, go on. There's the encouragement and all of that. But there's the realization as well. There is no turning back. They are made for walking. And in many ways, I think our faith journey is like that. You know, when we take the first step, we're made for walking with the Lord. And so it comes as no surprise when we think about it in that context that God says to Joshua a number of times, and he says to the people a number of times, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, stepping out is a big deal. Taking the first steps is a big deal. I don't know whether you found this, but, you know, when you first came to faith, when I first came to faith and, you know, had that, an amazing encounter with Jesus and you start telling people, you know, telling your family is one thing, telling your friends, you know, is another, telling work colleagues or whatever it is. It's a big deal taking that first step. You know, I had a wonderful job teaching in London, you know, good career, good career prospects. And then God called us to the ministry. And those first conversations telling um, like work colleagues and friends, and they kind of look at you in absolute dismay. What on earth are you thinking about going into the Anglican church of all places? You could have. <laughs> but it was a big deal. It was a big deal for us taking that first step. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, all of us here know that kind of first step feeling. But what's the antithesis of taking 
the first step. It's essentially fear. Ultimately, it's being afraid of what lies ahead, what's to come. It's being afraid that things may not work out in the way that we hope them to. It's even being afraid of people or events turning against us. You know, if we were to jump back to Numbers 13, and uh, just just very quickly, when Moses sends out a leader from each uh, tribe, so 12 leaders, 12 elected leaders, to go into the promised land to spy it out. And you know, only two of them, Caleb and Joshua, came back and saw the great potential. The other 10 who saw exactly the same thing as Caleb and Joshua, what they saw was giants. What they saw was obstacles. What they saw was fortified cities. And what they saw in themselves were grasshoppers. They're giants. We're like grasshoppers. And so negative was the picture that they created when they came back and reported to the children of Israel that the children of Israel were prepared to stone Moses and the leaders and return back to Egypt. I mean, really? After all those years? They were prepared to stone the leaders and turn back. You see, fear language can be very persuasive language. Fear language can actually be potentially destructive to fulfilling our destiny individually and also corporately. And it has to be something that we're aware of in ourselves, for ourselves, as well as in others and the atmosphere around us. For example, you know, in September, we'll be having a meeting uh, for the church congregation about the new centre. See, fear language says we're just not going to raise the money. Fear language says, well, the planning department are going to put so many hurdles in front of us that we're not actually going to even get it through planning. Fear language says, well, that's a giant and we're just grasshoppers. Let's just go back to where we were. Faith language says, but if God is leading us, we will overcome. Amen. Wow, you sense the Holy Spirit is stirring our hearts in that moment. If God is leading us, we overcome. We just have to be ready to take the first step and do what we're made to do, walk. At the beginning of chapter one, we find Joshua ready to do that. But just get the context of this. Moses has died. I mean, this man that he looked up to, the one who inspired him, the one in whom He saw God do the most extraordinary miracles ever seen in the presence of individuals, apart from when Jesus was on earth. He died. And that sense of loss and isolation must have been so, so great. But what we see is, it says Moses died, but immediately God speaks into a situation. And he always does that. That's the grace of God. The question is, is are we listening? You see, Joshua needed encouragement. We all need encouragement. Anyone need encouragement? Yeah. 
Oh, so some of you don't. That's great. Um, anyone else need encouragement? <laughs> well, you can encourage everybody else who needs encouragement. We all need encouragement. And God encourages Joshua through what he says. Joshua needed direction. Anyone here need direction? <laughs> we all need direction. And what we see here is the way that God speaks amazing plans and purposes into Joshua's life and for the nation. And so what we read here, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, I love that. It's kind of like Moses is dead. I mean, this kind of worst case scenario. And then God says, now, therefore. We need to listen to the now, therefores in our own lives. Now, therefore, arise. Get up, stand up, which means he was down. He was low. Cross the Jordan, the Hebrew word abar. It literally means to pass over it. I mean, already God is giving him a sewer to the supernatural nature in which they're going to cross the river and get into the promised land. Into the land which I'm giving them, the children of Israel. This is a father-son inheritance. This is about family being part of the children of God. I will give you every place where you set your foot. Every place, literally, where you put your feet. I will give you. What a word of encouragement. And just to help Joshua with the geographer, geography, he gives him a boundary map of his inheritance. So he says from the desert to the Lebanon, so that's south to north, from the great river Euphrates and all the Hittite country to the great sea, Mediterranean Sea. So that's from the west to the east. Yeah. <laughs> south, north. Yeah, yeah, I got that right. And just to help him a bit more, he gives him the assurance, verse 5, and no one will be able to stand against you. Actually, the picture here is of like a boxer face to face. You know, the way they eyeball each other and kind of say all these lovely things to one another face to face. You know, no one is going to stand and look you in the eye. That is some word, isn't it? No one is going to face you like a boxer all the days of your life. And then God reminds them of that wonderful promise that Jesus has given us. And I will be with you. I'll be with you. He'll go before him like he went before with Moses. I'll be with you. I will never leave you. That word is almost like to sink or let drop, you know, like a stone that's dropped in the water. It just sinks to the bottom. That's not what God's going to do with Joshua. It's not what God does with his people. He doesn't let us just drop to the bottom. If anything, we walk in the water. He says, I'll never forsake you. And in response, God says to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. You know what I love about here in the Hebrew is it's effectively growing courage. It's not like Joshua had it all together. You know, I think sometimes we think when we take that first step, we have to be altogether trusting, altogether in the right place, altogether strong. I'm going to do this for the name of the Lord. All of that kind of stuff. No. Joshua was given permission to grow in strength. We need to allow that for ourselves. You know, to be honest, when I think of the new center, and I believe it is the right time, I have nerves in my stomach. I know a little bit of what this means for us individually and as a church. But I know by God's grace that I'm going to grow in strength. And we all will as a family. He says, be strong and of good courage. In other words, grow in strength and boldness. Observe to do all according to the law. That word obey, shema, 
It's like protect it, guard it, put it on your mind, your heart, your soul, wrap it around you, read it day and night. Don't turn to the left or to the right. In other words, stay on the fixed path and meditate on it. And then this bit in verse 8, and then you will make your way prosperous and successful. The Hebrew is clear. It's not I, God, will make you prosperous and successful. He says to Joshua, and you will make your way successful and prosperous. In other words, the choices that Joshua makes will determine the outcome. And if he stays on that path that God has for him, my goodness, will the nations be blessed. See, our choices make the difference. And Joshua is ready to take the first step, the big one. (laughs) You know, he's a human. He could have waited. Yeah, good reason to. Let's mourn for seven years. (laughs) He could have turned back. A lot of pressure from the people around him. He could have turned to the left or to the right. And when you actually look at the geography, yeah, there was plenty of places he could have gone. But you know why I wanted to read verse 10 and 11? Is you sense the excitement in his command. He's like saying to the officers, pass over the camp. He uses the same word that God gives him. That prophetic word, abar. In other words, literally fly over the camp. Get the provisions ready. In three days, we are going to fly over the Jordan, pass over the Jordan, into the land that God is giving us. He has a choice and he makes the choice to take the first steps. And what we see, him fulfilling the fullness of his destiny. And if you remember last week, I read that passage from Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That was that declaration of his faithfulness, following God and seeing the faithfulness work out. So is it going to be giants and grasshoppers? That's the question for us. How do we see that which God is calling us to? And how do we see ourselves? You know, as I was thinking about this passage, my, my sense is that there, this is a word for us all. I believe it's a word for us all individually. And it's certainly a word for us as a church. And I believe there is an urgency about the taking the first steps. And it will mean different things for us individually. You know, for some of us, it's taking the first steps in terms of relationship. And I kind of wrote that down, not really knowing why I wrote that down. But I believe that God is speaking to some of your hearts about that. You need to take the first steps in terms of a relationship or relationship, whatever that looks like. It may be bringing healing. It may be bringing restoration. There may be a host of things drawing closer to someone. I don't know, but God knows. And there's all kinds of reasons in your mind where you may be kind of stepping back and fearful. Giants or grasshoppers, I believe God is speaking into this for some of us here. I sense as well for some of us, it's to do with work situations, even changes. 
Again, as I was writing it down, I, I, I didn't sense that God has given me a word of knowledge specifically for an individual. But I believe this is a word of knowledge for some of us here about the situation we're in. For some of us, we're at a crossroads. And we know we need to stop looking to the left and right and even hearkening to what's behind. Actually, we've got to take that step, a step forward. And for some of us, it's actually sharing our faith with family and friends. Taking that first step to do that. Letting them know what faith means to you. Whatever it means. I think people are hungry. Sarah, do you mind? I've not asked you. Do you want to just very briefly come and share a testimony that happened um, this week? Um, so I've been working with um, a colleague for the last three months, and I had a feeling that at some point we were going to have a Jesus chat. But I was like, I'm not going to be like, hi, I'm Sana, let's talk about Jesus. I was like, I just felt we needed to get to know each other um, and just we built a really great friendship. And she would often say that she would share stuff with me that she wouldn't share with anybody else. Um, and she was like, I don't know why. And I'm like, it's because it's Jesus in me. Um, but we had this um, conversation the other day where she just was like, so what is it that you do when you're on your trips around the world? And I was like, this is my way in. So I started easy and was talking about like kind of the humanitarian aid side of it. And then I just started getting more and more excited. And I was like, but then I've seen these healings. I've seen these miracles. Like I've seen people set free from stuff. I was like, this is what Jesus has done in my life. I started like getting more and more like into it and was just sharing everything about Jesus. I started literally preaching the gospel to her. I like started off at creation and was like, this is who you are. I was like, this is your identity. I was like, this is who God has created you to be. This is your value. This is your worth. And I literally just like went at her. She was in tears. And she was like, I was like, wait, are these are these like good tears? And she was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm just like feeling all of this stuff. And she was just like, I want to know more. And like we, for an entire hour, had this conversation about Jesus. Not one customer came into the store. Like we, it was uninterrupted. It was like God closed the doors and we had this conversation. And then, so she just just weeping. But then she said that she went home and she was like crying the whole way home. She was crying when she got home and was like, I've never experienced anything like this. And she said that she said that it was almost like she felt like she'd been just told that she was adopted. And I was like, oh my goodness. And then the next day at work, I went at it again because she was like, I just want to know more. And I was like, okay, this is the power of the cross. This is forgiveness. This is salvation. We talked about heaven and hell. We talked about baptism. We like just had talked about like hearing God's voice. And she was like, has God said anything to you about me? And I was like, no, but I'll ask. And then we were talking about like the gifts of the spirit. And she was just like, what are my gifts? And I was like, oh, she was just so hungry. And she was just like, I literally feel like you've just told me the truth that I've, I've, I've been hungry for but never experienced. She was like, and the way that you shared it with such passion and love. She was like, I trust you in this and I want to learn from you. She's like, I want to come to church. And I'm like, yes, you can come. We can do Bible studies. We can hang out and talk about Jesus. But it was just amazing just seeing her. And then she literally was like, 
I encountered God yesterday, didn't I? And I was like, yes, you did. And she's like so hungry for more of that. So I'm like, oh, God, you are so, so good. Thank you so much. I wanted Santa to share that on for two reasons. One is an amazing testimony. Uh, the other is, um, in the nicest possible way, as I've kind of driven Santa to work at different points, um, I kind of say things like, well, have you chatted to her about Jesus? Have you shared your faith? <laughs> um, and we've talked about it. And what I love about this is timing. You know, it's timing. So this is not something for us to be afraid of. It's to know God's timing. But when he's asking us to take that step, to trust him in the midst of it. And then the other thing, which uh, Santa didn't say, is that I think um, whether it was that time or another time that Santa said, you know, for her being back in Jersey, if it was only for the one reason that this person would come to faith, it would be worth it. And Santa shared this, and it just blew her away. How much God loves the individual. So I just want to encourage us that taking the first step, it may be someone that God is stirring our hearts to share our faith. He will show you the timing. We just have to be willing to step into it. And you see, people are hungry. People are hungry out there. They want to know the truth, the truth about who God is. And it's just the last thing, and it may be just for one or two people, but I sense as well with the taking the first step, it may actually be giving your heart to Jesus. That today, you've thought about it, you talked about it, but you actually haven't done it. And if that is you, then I can't encourage you enough with every fiber of my being, the best step to take is that step into the arms of Jesus and his love. And I might lead us in prayer in a bit. I think it's Eric Johnson who said these words, we are made for forward momentum. I like that. Yeah, we're made to take the step and to keep moving. We're made to step out and to trust God in the process. We have to keep taking steps. And the biggest one is often the first one. Let me just finish with this because, you know, the, I, I, as I've been thinking and praying about this, the, the geography setting that Joshua is in, I believe, is prophetic for us today. In other words, the territory that the Lord wanted Joshua and the people to inherit in the physical, I really sense God speaking to us about it in the spiritual. And I just want to explain this. The word for desert here. It's literally land not yet cultivated. The word for Lebanon, it literally means whiteness. Euphrates, the river Euphrates, literally means fruitfulness. The Hittites, who are descendants of Heth, they they were a kind of a powerful nation about 1000 BC. Their name literally means darkness or terror. The Great Sea in the West, the Mediterranean, it literally translates the Great Sea to the coming and the setting of the sun. In other words, if we bring together prophetically the territory that God speaks about here physically into the spiritual realm that we know in and around us, 
What it tells us is that wherever we are, wherever we tread our feet, wherever we place the soles of our feet, there is the whiteness of the Father's presence, his glory and his holiness with us. There is the coming of the Son here, now, and yet to come when he comes again. There is the fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And one other. (laughs) Goodness. There's a land of darkness, the terror that so many people, it just, you look at the news and you see darkness in so many places of the world. And yet into that, the light that is shining. And wherever we tread, wherever we place our feet, it's, God has taken us out of the desert, the uncultivated land, into the promised land that is flowing of milk and honey. And we just have to look at passages like John chapter 4. What he tells us, the harvest is white, it's ready for harvest. The Lord is asking us, will you trust me in taking the first steps? Whatever that looks like for us individually and whatever it looks like for us as a church. And see my glory come in the midst. Is it giants and grasshoppers? Or is it that Joshua hunger and willingness to take the first step? Let's stand together.